Welcome to the Faith for All podcast. This week, we will be listening to a sermon from Pastor Dana O'Brien's sermon series on welcoming others. We hope you enjoy this message and that it offers some meaning for you. I won't get you up and then sit you back down. You can stay where you are. Our gospel lesson is from Matthew 5, verses 43 through 48. And if you're, maybe some of you remember that Matthew 5 is part of uh, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, his very challenging description of what life looks like in God's kingdom and our, our invitation to live that out right here and now. So Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you this. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. In this way, you show that you are children of your Father in heaven. He makes the sun rise on people, whether they are good or evil. He lets rain fall on them, whether they are just or unjust. If you love those who love you, you deserve a reward. Even the tax collectors do that. Are you doing anything remarkable if you welcome only your friends? Everyone does that. That is why you must be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. The Gospel of the Lord. That's right, all those muscle memories come back. Blessed be to God. Okay, this morning, as I mentioned, we finish our four-week sermon series on welcoming. And you may remember, I'm going to just give you a brief summary of where we've been so we're all caught up. You may remember that three weeks ago, we looked at our welcome statement above the doors. Now, for those of you at home, I'm pointing to the, to the doors of, the, of the, the worship space here. We noticed that the welcome welcome statement came out of our journey to become a reconciling in Christ congregation. And for those of you who don't know what that is, um, it's a congregation, a Lutheran congregation, that has made a very intentional commitment to welcome and affirm people of all sexual orientations, gender identities, and gender expressions. But while the welcome statement came out as part of of that process, from the very get-go, it was intended to be broadly inclusive, broadly inclusive, to to assure Everyone, absolutely everyone, that they are welcome here, okay? And of course, of course, that everyone, that everyone includes all of us here today and includes all of you out there online, but it also, it also includes everybody who isn't there, right? It embraces everyone else, including people very different from us, including people with whom we may disagree, including people who we don't like all that much, right? Which means, and since they're included in that everyone, It means that we're called to welcome those people just as God has welcomed us. There's the comforting part, then there's the challenging part. And so two weeks ago, we looked at what it it looks like, what God's welcome really looks like. And we saw how Jesus welcomed every single sort of people, people, people from on every side of every possible spectrum, and how he welcomed people by crossing borders, by going to them right where they are, and how he welcomed people by really seeing them. I I mean, really seeing them. You know, so they felt accepted and loved and affirmed. And now we know how Jesus welcomed, and so it's also how we, how we, the church in this place, how we welcome as well. Because last week, we were reminded that we are indeed the church in this place, right? Remember, remember we looked at that Old Testament word, ecclesia, that, that's the word that's translated church, and we found out that it never means, never means a building or a worship service. It always refers a group of people. So when we talk about welcoming church, right, we're talking not about being welcoming in here, a building. We're talking about how each and every one of us are called to welcome in here, of course, 
but also out there as well, wherever we find ourselves, at work, at school, in the community, wherever. So today we finish off our sermon series by addressing a couple of more challenging aspects of what it means to be truly welcoming. Some, some as I said earlier, some refer to it as, as, as radical welcome, as going the extra mile, but really all we're really talking about is welcoming like Jesus welcomed. So here's the thing. When we truly welcome, it's more than offering hospitality. It's even more than providing a safe and affirming space. And, that's, and that stuff is pretty important. But when we take it up a notch and radically welcome, we listen. We listen carefully to the one who we're welcoming. And we open ourselves up to their gifts and their views and their opinions and, and who they are. And here's the key. We recognize the possibility that we may be changed by our encounter with this person. We recognize the possibility that we may be changed by our encounter with this person. No one here likes to be changed. And so when you truly welcome, you make yourself vulnerable enough to recognize and to be open to the possibility that you can be changed. By learning from the person that we welcome, by being open to God's spirit at work in this encounter and through this person, especially, especially when they are from a group who is not welcomed everywhere, when, from a group on the margins, we are opening, we are open to God using this person to transform us, to transform us individually, to transform us as a congregation, okay? This means, and I'm going to give you a couple examples because it's kind of, it kind of doesn't mean a whole lot in the abstract. This means that when we welcome our LGBTQIA siblings and everyone, and everyone else on that welcome statement, we don't just simply invite people in to worship here, okay? Instead, as our welcome statement in indicates, and it's in the, in the red words there, we welcome them into all aspects of our ministry and our congregational life. We invite them to be leaders. We invite them to be ministers. We invite them to be singers. Every part of us we want them to be a part of, right? And by doing that, we trust that God will change who we are as a congregation because we'll have all these new voices. God will change us. God will enrich us. We will become more of the people that God originally created us to be, and so will they. Mutually enriching relationships. Now, sometimes this happens through welcoming people we already know and like, but oftentimes those people are like us and it doesn't demand a whole lot of change, which is one of the reasons we like them, right? Because they're like us. Oftentimes, it is through welcoming strangers, people who are difficult, maybe even people who disagree and challenge us. And we all know those kinds of people, right? Sometimes we are those kinds of people. Oftentimes, we're not sure where this, where this welcoming opportunity is going to lead us. So the key is, and this is, this is true with, okay, this is true with every welcoming opportunity. This is true with every aspect of our lives. We bathe it in prayer. We bathe it in prayer, okay? We keep our eyes focused on God. We continually ask, where is God in this? What is God doing here? What is God calling me to do? And how is God calling me to respond? God is always in every interaction, every action that we take. You guys, it's what it means to be Christians, what it means to be disciples of Jesus. God is always there with us, dealing with everything. Now, as many of you know, um, I grew up in a fairly conservative denomination. So over the last 20 or so years, as I've moved from being attorney to, to being pastor, God has, and God did it before too, but I don't know that I noticed it. But, but over the last 20 years, God has continually given me opportunities to welcome people who would challenge my, I'll be honest, my narrow understandings of who God is and to teach me about a more welcoming, bigger God, okay? In fact, 
and I'm wearing my shirt and my, my journey to, um, toward my current understanding of God's love for LGBTQIA plus siblings, which is entirely different than it was, you know, when I, 20 years ago, that it all began by welcoming, okay? It all began by welcoming. Back in 2007, um, Lake Park Church, it was the Milwaukee congregation that I was training at while I was in seminary, they welcomed uh, a pastor from Atlanta whose name was Bradley Schmeling, okay? They welcomed him to preach. Now, Bradley Schmeling wasn't just any pastor. At that time, in 2007, he was pretty well known, especially in ELCA circles, because he was in the middle of a real controversial process that actually resulted in having him taken off the ELCA roster as a pastor because he was in a committed same-sex relationship. This was in 2007. It wasn't until 2009 when the ELCA changed its policy. So he was reinstated later on. But, but in 2007, this was, this was risky, okay? What he was doing was risky, and, and what Lake Park was doing was risky too because it was a bold affirmation of who he was, which was not at all consistent with, with the, uh, the espoused views of the ELCA. But by 2007, there were a lot of people. Who, who realized that those views had to change. Anyway, um, the, the Lake Park really supported Pastor Schmeling and his position, but at that time, I did not, okay? That wasn't where I was back then. So when David Dragseth, the pastor at Lake Park, told me that I would get to serve communion with Pastor Schmeling, which should have been a really great thing, I said, you know, David, that's probably not a good idea given, given where I am and my views on you know, our LGBTQ IA siblings at, at that time, point. And I'll never forget, he said to me that it was precisely because, precisely because of my views that he wanted me to work with Pastor Schmeling. Dave Dragseth knew something about me and about God working that I didn't at that time. And so I was challenged to welcome someone I didn't agree with. I was challenged to be open and to see if I could discern God's work in Pastor Schmeling's ministry you know what happened. That's exactly what happened. That day, I heard God speak through Pastor Schmeling. I heard, I heard God speak through that pastor words of love and freedom, and, and, and what else could I do? When God hits you on the side of the head, you, can't, you, have to, you have to change. You have to start moving. And so that was the start of my journey of repentance. And I say repentance in the sense of a little, literal turning around. That was me turning around from my position turning back to God, and, and coming to a God who was so much bigger, so much more loving than I had previously thought. It was one of my many repentances as I learned about the God who was something other than what I thought. Um, and, I'm, you know, and I'm guessing lots of you can think of your own stories of where you welcome somebody, maybe somebody you didn't even want to welcome, but by opening yourself up to, to their stories, and to their views, you found yourselves changed in the process. Maybe a little change, maybe a huge change like, like mine. You guys, it, it happens all the time in the Bible. It happens all the time. One of the most famous stories in Genesis is when Abraham welcomes three strangers, surprise visitor. They just show up in the middle of the desert. And he finds out that despite his old age, he's about to have a son. In the New Testament, there's the, the seminal story in the New Testament, the book of Acts, where, where Peter... Is, realizes that they have to change the entire way that they thought of the separation between Jews and Gentiles. And he goes to Cornelius' house and is welcomed by him and welcomes him in turn and ends up baptizing him. And he finds out that, lo and behold, God's kingdom is open to Gentiles as well, which is a really good thing, you guys, because I'm guessing all of us here are Gentiles, right? So 
Because if you're not Jewish, you're Gentiles. And then there's the story that we all know about Paul, who welcomes Jesus on the road to Damascus and does a 180. Turns from being the chief persecutor of the early church to being its chief spokesman, okay? Indeed, indeed, sometimes the very process of welcoming challenges us to change, okay? And here's a simple, a really simple example. Remember last week, I encouraged everyone to wear name tags, and lots of you were, were really good at it, and, and lots of you are still getting the hang of it. Um, when I first got here back in 2016, and, and Kit would know this, um, everyone wore them, or pretty much everyone, because they understood how important knowing each other's names was to feeling welcome and affirmed and accepted. But you know what? A couple of years of a pandemic and a closed congregation building can pull the rug right out from under that. So, so now we're trying to get back into that, that habit, and it really is a habit. We've made a little change, okay? Now, instead of just having name tags, we're also inviting people to include their personal pronouns on the name tags, okay? And to make it as easy as possible for those of us like me, for whom it is still new, we've got little stickers to help. So I put a little sticker on, on my name tag. Because here's the thing, you guys. Being misgendered, okay, which is having somebody refer to the, in, using incorrect pronouns to refer to you, it's uncomfortable at best, and oftentimes it's really hurtful. And I know this because when I was younger, I had short hair, and people often mistook me for a boy, and I was always referred to as he. And it, it wasn't fun, you guys. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't welcoming. So we all, especially, especially us cisgendered folks, need to be open to change. We need to be open to change. If somebody came to your house, you wouldn't call them by the wrong name. You would do whatever you could to make them feel welcome. Guys, this is God's house. It's our job to make people feel welcome here and guys, we're the church and out there, okay? So we invite everybody to tell us their desired pronouns, and then we use them, okay? Yes, yes. I mean, I can't tell you how many mistakes I've made. There will be mistakes. Look at it this way. It's an opportunity to extend and feel grace, right? We all want more grace in our lives. A mistake is just an opportunity to, to feel some grace. Um, but bottom line, you guys, knowing and using names and pronouns tells people, tells people that, that we matter to, to each other, right? When we, when we care to know enough about somebody, their name, tell them we matter to each other. And you guys, if you're online, you matter too. So you're invited always to include your names and your pronouns in the chat box. We all, we all matter, and we all need to show each other that we matter. This last one goes without saying, but I'll say it anyway. Um, if we're going to live as a welcoming church, both in here and out there, we also need to publicly stand up for what we say we believe. And we all know this, right? We all know this especially when you're welcoming people in the margins, especially when you're welcoming people that aren't always welcome in other congregations and certainly aren't always welcome out there. You need to publicly support them. We cannot, we cannot welcome people of all sexual orientations, gender identities, and gender expressions in here without also being good allies out there, particularly in today's climate when it seems like they're, they're getting more pushback and, and more, more troubles. People need to stand up. That's us. We are those people. We cannot welcome people of color in here with also, without also fighting against all forms and expressions of racism wherever we find them. You guys get the idea. We can't say that we are one thing and not live it out in the world by being allies of the people that we claim to welcome. Welcoming does not stop at the door with the individual. It also involves working to make our communities and nations more just and more welcoming places, right? That's who we are. Now, Bishop Michael Curry, and you may know him, he may look familiar to you, uh, way back when he was the presider at uh, Harry and Meghan's wedding a long time ago, which I'm sure all of you watched, don't pretend you didn't. 
Um, he tells the story of an unlettered older black preacher who was invited to the graduation, speak, be the graduation speaker at an historical black college. Afterward, he's talking with one of the graduates. So, so what are your plans for the future, he says. Oh, I've always wanted to practice law, so I plan to go to law school, responds the new graduate. What then, the preacher asks. Well, I'll take the bar exam. What then? Well, I, I hope to open up a practice. What then? Well, I, I guess I'll get married. What then? I, I suppose we'll have some kids. What then? Um, we'll raise them until they head off to start their own lives. What then? Um, my wife and I will grow old together. What then? I don't know. I guess, I guess we'll retire and enjoy retirement. What then? What else is there? Responds the graduate. Well, my young friend, says the old preacher, you've got some really, really good ideas. But your plans are too small. Your plans are too small. They only concern you and yours. Your plans must be wide enough to include others and high enough to be embraced by God. And then you will live a life that truly matters. Now, Bishop Curry went on. He didn't stop right there. He went on to apply that old preacher's wisdom to the institutional church today, at which point he went a step further. He says, it's not only that our plans are too small. It's also that our God is too small. Our God is too small. We've reduced God to something manageable, something convenient, something comfortable and safe, when in fact, God is none of those things. Church, church here at Cross of Glory, you know, we're, we're ending this series on welcoming, but, but welcoming is, is just a part of who we are called to be in this world, of how we are called to live as God's people in this place. It is so tempting to limit God to our needs, right? To use God to help preserve what we have here. And sometimes it's scary, right? It's, it's so hard to, to, to reach out and welcome all on God's behalf, all of God's children, because we know it's risky. But we are called to something so much more, so much more because our God is so much bigger. We have a God who loves and welcomes all people. A God who is constantly new, doing new things in our lives and in this world and who is continually stretching and challenging us, God's church, us, God's church, to be more of what God has originally designed us to be. So, you didn't think I was going to mention it, but remember today's gospel passage where Jesus calls us to love even our enemies and to welcome everyone, not just the people that we know. We know. We know that's not how things work in this world. Right? We've all lived here long enough to know that that's not the way the world works. But that is exactly the way things work in God's world, in God's kingdom. And that, that vision, God's vision for all of us, that's God's vision. To live in God's kingdom where love trumps hate and welcome overcomes division and mistrust. It's an alternative kingdom that's, you guys, it's an alternative kingdom that so many people in our world need to hear about today. Because we're just, we're just wallowing. We're just wallowing in the midst of the world's kingdom. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. People are only going to see God's vision, see about, see about God's kingdom. They're only going to know what God's kingdom looks like if somebody shows them, right? This doesn't just come down out of no place. We, we are the people who need to live it out wherever we are. 
In today's Bible passage, Jesus reminds us, you guys, if we live like everyone else, where is God in that? If, if our Facebook posts reflect the same hate and mistrust we see in so many others, how is anyone going to know what love looks like? How is anyone going to know what it really looks like to love our neighbors? If, if we don't speak up in support of welcoming strangers and people who don't look like us, how will others ever understand what God's huge welcome looks like? If we buy into the scarcity mentality that, that causes us to fear to give more than asked, how will anyone ever know the generous, abundant God we claim to follow? How will they know all this stuff, you guys, unless we show them? Okay, welcoming is such a small part of who we are. But when we live a life of radical welcome, when we welcome everyone just like Jesus, people from both sides of the aisle, from all rungs of the economic ladder, from all races and ethnicities and political ideologies, then, then we begin to think and act and look more like the very big God that we follow. And that, my friends, that's exactly how we live as God's church in this world. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message and it has meaning for your life. Come back next week. Faith for All was created by Cross of Glory Church. If you would like more information on Cross of Glory, please visit our webpage at crossofglory.com where you can learn more about the church, see our upcoming events, and watch previous services and sermons. You can also find us on Facebook and YouTube. Everyone, and we do mean everyone, is welcome to join us at 9.30 a.m. on Sunday morning for worship on our website, Facebook, YouTube, or in person at 14719 West 163rd Street, Homer Glen, Illinois. Faith for All is available on Podbean, Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Todd Mazera created our original music, Jeff Wanderson handled the production duties, and I'm Andrew Morin. Thank you for joining us.